I record. See, I should there should be a, lat, a Latin word for that. I mean, there's write. I write. Mm -hmm. Scribo. Mm -hmm. I could say that. Yeah. Um, but whether that counts for like an audio recording. I mean, audio means I hear, I think. Audio. And audit, yeah. I hear, I listen. Mm. I hear. Mm. I don't know. It's all very complicated, but... It's, it should be like you should be able to do just, um, like, elfo. And just stick an O on the end of everything. <laughs> you know? I elf. I elf. Therefore I am. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Elfo ergo sum. Elfo ergo sum. <laughs> Works? Yeah, it does. Um, it does. But yeah. Um, so I don't know. So yeah, there's going to be there's going to be rustling on my phone screen today because um, my phone's broke and it's got this cracked screen and if it falls to sleep, if the phone goes to sleep, it's like it's a dog of a job trying to get it to switch on again. Yeah. You have to keep like dabbing at the button like a hundred times to make mm -hmm. it wake up again. And I daren't let it fall asleep while I'm recording. No. Because I don't know whether it, dabbing the button to try and wake it back up again will bust the recording or not. Mm. So. Tricky. Um, so if you hear lots of like, I don't know whether you can hear that. If you hear lots of me like daubing me thumb on the screen it's just to keep it awake yeah that's all i usually use coffee to keep your phone awake yeah to keep me awake yeah well fair enough speaking of which i mean oh. i would but since i cracked the screen i'm guessing it's not waterproof anymore and if it's not waterproof it's not coffee proof either no so. i don't think i'm coffee proof no i'm probably proofed in coffee but 95 <laughs> percent <laughs> Proof coffee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the best Every sort. Time. It's oh. like it's like chocolate. Yeah. Give me chocolate at like eighty-five, ninety-five percent. Cocoa. Yeah. Mm. And then I'm happy. Too bitter for me. Oh no, it's brilliant. Too bitter. It's brilliant. I I would have been like when they originally brought chocolate across from the Americas, and. It used into into like I want to say Victorian England. It wouldn't have been Victorian England. It would have been like way 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 back. But they used to have uh, chocolate houses, like they have coffee houses. Yes. And they'd have chocolate houses because co chocolate was originally something you drank. Yeah, and it came in like it didn't come in bars for eating. It came in bars to to put in hot hot milk or hot water, and you drank it. Yeah, and it was, and they used to make. For a while, after a while, they suddenly thought, "Oh, hang on, we could make this into into bars suitable for eating," mm. and they used to call it eating chocolate, which some of it still is because you get eating chocolate and cooking chocolate. I suppose you do, oh. but people tend to say, when you say chocolate, you tend to assume chocolate for eating. Yes, and you tend to have to specify cooking chocolate or baking chocolate or whatever. Yeah. Whereas, with. Uh, uh, how it used to be, you'd have to you you said chocolate. Somebody would assume the bitter drink, like coffee, mm. until you specified eating chocolate, and then they knew what you were talking about. It's a little bit like the Queen. The Queen. The Queen. I'm sorry. The Queen Consort. I'm supposed to say. I was going to say, is that the deceased Queen or the no the one we don't have yet because they haven't been coronated? They haven't been coronated, but she's still the Queen. Uh, the Queen Consort. I'm sorry. No, they're making a big fuss about how we have to call her the Queen Consort because people don't like her because of the history of the whole... Yeah, anyway. Um, everybody's very, very politically animated about it and they, they're all insisting that she has to be referred to as the Queen Consort. So you'll only... Actually, what she is is the Queen. Yes. Because she's married to the, the king. wife of the King. Mm. And she is the Queen Consort... I mean, that's a given. A queen who is married to a king is a queen consort. The last queen we had 
had a prince consort. Elizabeth II of blessed memory. Um, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, she had a prince consort. Mm. She can't have a king because a king outranks a queen. And I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying it's how it is. But Queen Elizabeth was a queen regnant, which means she is queen in her own right. Not queen through marriage. Not queen through marrying a king. Or walking up to somebody and going, hello, dearest cousin, stabby, stabby, I take your chair now. Exactly, which is, of course, how you get... The other time-honoured way of getting the throne. Kingly power, yeah. Yes. Or queenly power. Doesn't or... get given by divine right, more like quick stabby, stabby yeah. in my chair now. Yeah. Yeah. This is the... Uh... The way. This is the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... It's like we're all. It's like with the chocolate. Is all I'm saying. It's all about the assumptions that you make when you hear the word. And it's like if you hear the word chocolate and your your immediate assumption is drink, then when somebody wants to talk to you about the, the chomping chocolate. Uh, then they have to specify this is chocolate for chomping. Whereas if your first assumption is when somebody says chocolate, you think Mars bar, Dairy Milk, Hershey's, whatever, other. Chocolate brands are available. Actually, probably other chocolate brands aren't available. I don't know. How many are there? Three? There's Cadbury, Hershey, Nestle, and Mars. Lint. Mars. Green does, somebody and own, does somebody own Mars? <gasps> Oogie Boogie. <gasps> oh. What's the one with the milka, the milka cow, which is lilac? Think, yes, there's milka. Yeah. Toblerone, of course, which are recently in trouble because they've apparently they've gone woke or something because they've taken the Matterhorn glyph off their packaging. Huh. Uh, it's, well, it's basically because everybody's like, oh, what is the world coming to? You wouldn't be able, allowed, allowed to make Blazing Saddles these days and all that rubbish about it. Whereas actually what the real reason is is because Switzerland has very, very strict rules about what branding companies can... Swiss-related branding companies can use. Mm-hmm. If they're not manufacturing things in Switzerland. And Toblerone has always made things in Switzerland. So they get to put like the whole mountain iconography. Matterhorn is a very, very famous mountain. Very recognisable. So they've always used that as a bit of a bit of branding. But because they're now making some of their chocolate bars outside of Switzerland, the Swiss government has said, no, you can't use that branding because it's not a Swiss product. Mm. It might be to a Swiss recipe owned by a Swiss company, but it's not being made in Switzerland. Therefore... It's not a Swiss product, and you can't have the Matterhorn on it. It has to be registered, manufactured in London, otherwise it's just sparkling murder. Basically, yes. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying you have to use Toblerone for murdering your way to the throne. You get to eat the evidence afterwards. I mean, it's got its advantages. It would be nice, Yeah. admittedly, yeah. I like Toblerone. This is not a Toblerone advertising podcast, I hasten to add. Um, we were here for other reasons. Mostly. I just can't remember what they were. Hello, lovely listeners. Hello. about chocolate. Two frith cast 151. <laughs> 151 151 Welcome, welcome around the virtual campfire. Lovely listeners, I'm half your hosting team. I'm Suzanne Martin. I'm a heathen with a head full of stuff. Some of it is occasionally useful. And I am the other half of your hosting team. I am Kate. Um and I have a head full of basically random interference all good um which is very rarely of use to anyone still good but you know coffee powered um with that with that uh retroactive introduction in mind shall we skip back to the bit where we were yes yeah 
Let's do that. Okay, then. Here we go. Welcome all the people who have been with us on this fabulous roller coaster of 151 episodes, or any part, fragment, or piece thereof. Welcome to all those who are joining us for the very first time. Wow. Are you going to be in for a treat when you look through the back catalogue? Yeah. I also want to extend a special greeting to those people, not those... Uh, to I, Obviously, I, I value all yes. our, our lovely listeners. Um, and... You have greeted the ones who have been with us all the way through. I have. You have greeted the ones who have been with us, you know, perhaps only for part of it. All good, yeah. I would like to greet those ones who have been with us for more than one part of it. The ones who might have missed the beginning. Yeah. Joined us at, say, episode six, seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listened for a few, fallen off it a while, missed a few, then come back and listened again. Mm -hmm. Maybe have fallen off it again. And perhaps are now just coming back to join us at the virtual campfire. Or, you know, any combination of you know, listening yeah, and not good. listening. Yeah, it's, it's all good. good. And those who haven't listened to us yet, yeah, you're welcome as well. Those who aren't listening to us now, you're also welcome. Oh, that's just broken my noodle. Yeah, well, that's 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 a, we're getting a bit meta there. I yeah. appreciate, but you know, gone, I'm, a, gone a little bit ex- expansion universe. It's yeah, sideways. Schrodinger's listener. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but but them as well, you know. We 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 welcome all. Yeah, to it's our all good. You campfire. know the campfire's always open. You know the kettle's always on. You know the biscuit and/or cookie, depending on where you are in the world. Tin is around here somewhere. Settle in, warm your knees. Welcome to another episode of Frithcast. That's biscuit without gravy. Yeah. Do they have? Just... Do they have? Is it biscuit there? Yeah. Gravy with. It's the equivalent to our scones, which is still a little bit... You don't put gravy on scones? No. There's a whole, like... There's an entire civil war about whether you put the cream or jam on first. But I don't think there's a whole lot of thing about whether you put gravy on first. To be fair, there are dumplings. I mean, do you put the clotted cream over the gravy, or do you... I don't... Where does the does it go jam and then gravy well, and have then to put, cream? You'd have, you couldn't put the clotted cream on the gravy because it would just slide off. Yeah, melt. Not melt. Good. Yeah. Roll off. Problem is, you couldn't put the clotted cream over. You couldn't put the gravy over the clotted cream because it would just melt the clotted cream and it'll just roll off. So either way, you're going to lose your gravy and your clotted cream from your scone. Because it's all going to roll off. And the second is don't ever have a land war in Asia, but... <laughs> Go Bama, roll gravy. I'm confused, but okay. Sorry. You know what we're here for, I've lovely listeners. I've watched too many submarine films. I've watched The Princess Bride too many times. The Princess I was Bride, just definitely. Remember that line. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can look it up for you if you want. No, it's good. It's okay. good. I'm good. I've I've just got that scene rolling in my head from the background. So it's all good. Welcome aboard for episode 151 of Frithcast. And Kate and I have been talking in the last few days so we thought we'd do an episode on it we've been going a little bit meta in our thoughts about faith faith practice recently where does it come from where does it start what influences it in case you know the last few episodes we've been dipping our toes into that a little bit we kind of thought we'd do the same today yeah i mean basically we just thought we'd come here and just carry on the conversation that we've been having only at you instead without gravy without gravy yeah because that's just I'm going to put my hands up and, and admit some responsibility for this because it's the gravy. Uh, the gravy, mm. because um, I think it's probably fair to say that uh, it's been something that's preoccupying me lately because of a bit of a religious kick that I've been on. Yeah, which is all good. Of late. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I mentioned it in preview in the last episode, perhaps. So, you know, it's it's something that I people people around me. Are probably getting a bit sick of by now, but you know, oh, it's all good. <laughs> um, but as a as an oh, somebody who is also following a um, a faith based on old traditions, mm. I am. Do you mind if I go off on this for a minute? Yeah, do your thing, because <clears throat> we definitely never ever go off down rabbit holes. Heavens no. Take sideways tandems and we do not turn left at Albuquerque. This is very true. I mean, you turn right every time. Normally. Yeah. Unless you're a rabbit. Define normal. I know. But yes, 
<laughs> on one of those big blue beds that goes thum thum thum. What? Oh, that one. Yeah. Meet meet. Yeah. Thum thum. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep 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 yep. I didn't realise he was. Is he blue? Yeah. Very blue. Oh, he's blue. Oh, I'd forgotten. Anyway, um, so it's yeah. Like big bird only different. As somebody, big bird's yellow. I know. Okay. That's why he's different. Um, yeah, so I've been I've been thinking a little bit about um, the the practices associated with my own religious leaning, if you like. Um, and the, the the difficulty I have is that although Roman paganism is something that is not is not widely practiced anymore, um, it's something that uh, there are groups such as you know it, the the sort of Roman equivalent of our own. Glorious Awaken the North. Mm-hmm. Um, our great friends uh, at Awaken the North, who, by the way, we would recommend, dear listener, that you go and check out if you haven't already. We probably need to tell people who we are too. We could do that. We haven't done that yet. No. No. But we could say it now, and then I could just splice it in a bit later, a, a bit earlier rather. The other thing. I could just like snip it out if we say it now and just splice it in earlier on. Let's do that. Yeah. All right. Okay. So the religious tradition that I follow is, um, uh, let me start that again. Okay, you do that. I'm going to take more coffee. It'll be great. <laughs> Go you. I'm very excited. I believe in you. <laughs> very excited for this exorcism. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be great. So way, way, way back when Roman paganism was originally practised in its sort of original context... Um, it was a very specifically ritualistic faith. Mm-hmm. It was all about what you did. It was all about the rituals that you carried out from day to day in different circumstances and diff- for different reasons. And it was very much a doing faith. So it didn't really matter that much what you believed in terms of, you know, did you believe that the gods were this particular nature or that particular nature? That didn't, wasn't really an issue. What was an issue was were you doing the right actions? Mm-hmm. It was, I believe, what they call an orthopraxic religion. I was going to say, it sounds very like pragmatic. and Yeah. Um, and it was all about keeping up the, um, what they call the Pax Deorum, which was the, the peace of the gods. And it was the arrangement by which humans did the right things to honour the gods and the gods... Didn't squash them. Didn't squash them. <clears throat> I mean, it's pretty good. You know, nice yeah. and clear and plain and... And... As I think we probably t- touched on, Roman religion wasn't separate from the Roman state. They were the same thing. In order to practice Roman paganism in the modern day, in the in the same way that the Romans did, you would have to have a Roman state yes. to be part of. Now, obviously, there's a Roman city. There's a city of Rome with its local administration and so forth, but it ain't doing Roman paganism. Nor is Not anymore. the Italian state, nor no. is Vatican City state. So you're pretty much narnered for finding uh, an equivalent of the ancient Roman state. So the probably the biggest Roman pagan organisation in the modern day is Nova Roma, and they essentially organise their membership as a, a sort of microcosm of what the Roman state used to look like, and they mm-hmm. use that as part of their tradition. Now, so I, a very prescriptive tradition. Very prescriptive in the sense that, you know, <clears throat> these are the traditions that you're supposed to follow, these are the rituals you're supposed to do, and so forth, but they're not prescriptive in terms of what else you do. So it doesn't matter if you, like I say, it doesn't matter what you believe about the nature of reality or the nature of the gods outside of that, as long as you're doing the right thing. But you see, for me, that's not what it's ever been about. For me, it's about the gods and my relationship with them directly. Getting on to the point. No flamingos. No flamingos. Uh, No, there are no flamines anymore. Um, So... Apart from the ones in Nova Roma, obviously. But this was the point. So we had been talking about whether or not a modern version of my Roman paganism could legitimately be practised by me and, you know, by anybody else who was interested without being able to completely faithfully reconstruct what that system, that religious structure used to be. Mm. And my attitude would be that, yes, you can... You know, I recognise those gods and I speak to those gods. They don't speak to me. But I, you know, they are they are there in my 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 view. And, you know, I, I sort of conduct myself according to that. But I'm not doing all the things that a Roman, ancient Roman, would be able to do. Now, the question then is, is that valid? Yes. 
Okay. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Frithcast. <laughs> I mean, we've talked before about the tension between the modern practice that we have and the records that we have and how we put those two together and how we, as individuals of faith, how we find and navigate our way through not only the written record but the modern world. Mm. Whether we look to faithfully reconstruct a state culture absolute so that we can put that faith back into its proper context or whether we look to adapt that faith and the faith practices to the world that we find ourselves in now Mm. and we become to use a term that is in Cap Rector's books we become modernists okay um, and that's sort of a new wave of heathens we we are the modernists who bring all sorts of other new things but also have a faith in the gods yeah and so we've been talking about that tension and how we as individuals navigate that where it where it takes us mm. what it might encounter us into because when you're practicing a faith it can be very difficult to practice it solo yeah to be able to reflect and develop and obtain new information and new insight into practice the fastest way to do that is to talk to other people mm. who are doing a similar, not identical path, but a similar broad path to where you are. So if you are learning a musical instrument, the fastest way to do it is with an instructor. Yes. Not to do it, you can do it solo, but you might find yourself being able to to pick things up faster with somebody that says, actually, you want to put your finger just there instead of over there. Mm. You'll find it easier to do whatever you're doing. And with any skill, I suppose the risk is that if if you teach yourself... Um, well, that's that is perfectly a perfectly legitimate way of going about things, and some people it's the only option they have. Mm. Um, and you know, without question, there are some self-taught artists, some self-taught performers, musicians. You know, you name chefs, it, yeah. chefs. Um, you name it. There are self-taught people who have gone on to become the best in the world. Mm. Um, the risk is that if you teach yourself something, you don't know if you're teaching yourself the wrong thing. Mm. So you might build bad habits into your practice. Unknowingly. Unknowingly. Yeah. And and sort of embed them because you don't notice that they've, you've developed them. So you just mm. carry on, you build them in and carry on, you know. And thinking about a lot of organisations online and in-person ones who will carry knowledge of authors to avoid. Yeah. And how quickly then... The people coming new to that group can take a look at that list and know immediately from day one to avoid those particular authors or websites or writings yeah. because they give a view of the faith which is contra to that group. Mm. So, you know, thinking about that as a benefit to to learning with in company of other people. But you've also got the other side of that. And the other side of that is that you have people who curate those lists. Yeah. And who define, you know, who are maybe trusted sources of authority within that group, Mm. who resonate with or create the values of that group, who maybe have been there a considerable time and whose voice therefore may carry a lot more weight. Mm. And they then define what the acceptable behaviour is inside that group. Yeah. So it might be something simple as, you know, for an online group and a big one, do not block the admins. Yes. You know, or... Please keep your posts family friendly Mm. unless you're in one of the not safe for work channels. Yeah. You know, be mindful of what you are posting or that you have to be over 18 to be inside this group to start with. Yeah. So some of the rules can be quite sensible. But taking that beyond that, we get into the realms of gatekeeping, Mm. of prescribing practices um, and definitions specific yeah. Or, you know, to practice. If you don't practice it this way, you are doing it wrong. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's and that's sort of the core of, of of kind of what I've what I know we've been thinking about, what we've been mm. what we've been talking about is is the validity of doing that. And you get to the point where that's exclusionary, you're only valid if. Yeah. Rather than we want you in this group to keep <clears throat> you safe and learn. See, is it still further to you're only valid if you do it this way? See, my belief would be, and it's one of the thing, one of the things that unfortunately we know that heathenry, heathenism, 
um, has to deal with to some degree. I can't say that Roman paganism doesn't have the same elements, I suppose, in a way, most reconstructionist or reconstruction-oriented faiths would have the same uh, would have the same problem to some degree. Obviously, with the the Roman paganism, it's not that much of a problem because there aren't that many of us. So, but certainly with heathenism, we do have these people who come along and set rules as to who can practice and who cannot. Yes. So you're we... getting into Karl Popper territory. <clears throat> well, yeah. you see, this is I think this is what the whole thing is 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 kind of about because you have people who will come in and say. And I'm sorry to be blunt about it, but we, you know, we we know these people. We, you know, anybody who's been in the in or in or around the heathen community for a while will have encountered these people, even if only indirectly. Yes. You have these people who will say, "Well, the Norse and Germanic faiths originated from Northern Europe and Scandinavia, where the majority of people were, you know, it was it was a white majority society, and therefore, if you are not white, you are not entitled to this practice." Mm. Um, now, to me, that is bafflingly irrational, bordering on blasphemous, you know, because they are, those people are basically saying, I, as a human being, a little tiny human being with my, you know, brief candle existence, I'm speaking for the gods and saying that they have not called you as you think they have. Mm. And they cannot. And I'm saying that, so it must be true. It's like, well, to me, that makes no sense at all. The gods call who they call. Yes. No matter where in the world they are, no matter what their history, what their heritage, doesn't matter. If the gods speak to you, they speak to you. Yes. And nobody is entitled to tell you that they have not done that. Because we can't. We tell can't you tell you how, how to, to heathen. heathen. <laughs> exactly. Thinking about gatekeepers and how much authority they have over our, particularly over our online spaces, mm. not necessarily over, you know, yes, our in-person spaces, especially if you're in a country where heathens are considerable hours apart and your nearest group is one very focused on heritage yeah and the one beyond that is four hours travel away then you then are finding that you have to engage with your faith in other ways yeah so you have to then engage with your faith maybe in online groups maybe in discussion boards maybe in people by following feeds on Twitter, on Mastodon, on TikTok, on Instagram, which will help you maintain the connection that maybe you don't particularly want it ideally in that way, mm -hmm. but it's as close as you can get right now yeah. as to what you actually want. So we're finding that, you know, there's a generation of, of gatekeepers, especially if you've been heathen a long, long time, then you are going to know where all the gatekeepers are yeah. because you've been around by naturally and you've been around the community a long long time so you may you even have, know the gatekeepers yeah <laughs> you you're gonna know the people who are trying to create exclusionary community mm. because by nature of you practicing the faith for 30 40 years yeah you are going to know precisely who they are and where they where they came from and probably when they started developing and you may have even been in groups with them prior to that and watched them splinter away and start their own and yeah and start it you know and it's not it's not all about it's not all about the racism i mean that that's not that's that's part of it that's a, a an extreme sort of example of it but it's also other things as well i mean it's 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 any any um assertion that if you are not doing it this way you are not doing it right if you're not doing it this way, then your practice is not valid, um, which might be based on interpretation of historical or archaeological data, mm. historical writings, what have you. You know, it might be that somebody will say, well, you cannot, you know, if you're not doing it as, as accurately as we can possibly reconstruct from the old documents or old uh, stories or what have you, then you're not doing it right. And um, oh, you do such a thing, or you have such a belief, but there's nothing in the Eddas mm, or whatever that, that backs that up to support that. Therefore, it's not right. Yeah, and we have a great reliance on academia. Yeah, and therefore, it naturally comes that those who are well versed in academia become the voices with that authority to say, "Ah, well, yes, in you know, you say that, but in Eric the Red, chapter four, yeah." saga of eric the red chapter four it says very clearly that her mittens are 
cat skin and therefore you are doing it wrong. Yeah. And it's like, if your mittens it, are not cat skin. It becomes, or, you know, it becomes very much. Is that in Eric the Red? That's that, that's that. Um, Thor Bjorg. Vulva, isn't it? That yeah. turns up and, yeah. Does her thing. Yeah. With the special songs. Indeed. She's got to have the rap battle first. The rap battle. And, and the then cat, she can do and a the thing. cat mittens. Yeah. Yeah. So it becomes then that the people who define how we practice our faith or, or are trying to define how we practice our faith are the ones who know the source material the best. Mm. And that's, you know, then if you have personal gnosis, if you have vision or dream or an experience that does not precisely match an academic source, yeah, it's discounted. And for mm. me, that's... That makes no sense. I mean, I and I certainly wouldn't want to give the impression that we're 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 having a having a go at academics. No, because you I am one. you are an academic. <laughs> um, you know, I'm I am whatever the the the, the polar opposite of an academic is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we, we're absolutely not. I mean, the the number of books that we've got in this house by academics. Yeah, we might have. Um, one too. <laughs> you know about what Norse culture used to be like or Norse, you know, religious practice or just history or, you know, all of these things. We love all this stuff. And there's absolutely no way that either of us would be sitting here saying, you know, there's no value in academia. It's all, no, the, you yeah, know. there is a value in it, but there's also a value in personal expression of faith, personal understanding of faith. Yes. And for me to have an academic exclusionary, an exclusionary gatekeeping voice purely based in academia mm. it's it's odd because yes sometimes there are people come to groups and they they will sort of uh, they might arrive at a group and state that they do a practice that yeah is not safe maybe and therefore there might be people in that group who are well-known voices who will speak up and go hey that's that's maybe not such a good idea yeah so where do you then how do you then define that from gatekeeping yeah i mean it's as as a means of being informed then you know i think i think that's it's it's infinitely valuable but we can't afford to become defensive about it no and for me it's a starting point but mm. it's not my absolute understanding of my own faith a starting point a go back to sometimes and check something yeah Maybe. Also, also valid, but not, not a set of guide rails. No, for me, those interactions are not defining the entirety of what we can or should experience. Mm. For me, there are now, for somebody from that age, you know, tenth century, ninth century, seeing a vision of Odin in full war gear would make absolute perfect sense. Mm. I see a vision in, of Odin in full war gear talking Old Norse, and I will have no clue no. what he's saying to me. I will have not a scooby about what is happening. He's... So for that interpretation to make sense to me, for that vision to have weight, I have to see it through my modern cultural lens. And for me, another aspect of, of gatekeepers, of authoritarian voices in communities, is that if they're defining... Um, practice they're then defining by exception they're, they're defining what is not acceptable practice and what is acceptable practice yeah um, and they I think it's maybe part of the difficulty of not having hierarchical structure within this faith is that people want to set themselves up you know may desire to see themselves as an authority and therefore read all the academic texts they can. Yeah. And I think maybe there's an over-reliance on that because we have such a decentralised understanding. We have, here in the UK, we have networks of groups of individuals, of connections with online and in-person communities at, at local and county and international, national and international level. Mm -hmm. But it becomes almost fragmented. And even the question of, you know, having a, uh, a set of people recognised as community leaders in Gothar, yeah. Githa, to have that inside groups 
is something that's been tried to be set up here in the UK for quite some considerable time in a good few groups and it tends to be that each local group has its own yeah. locally recognised personal persons but that they're not recognised outside of their local space as that not necessarily authority figure but as somebody of knowledge of wisdom who's able to share that and help other people find their own paths rather than dictate those paths we have a problem all of us all i mean heathens and the broader pagan community i think we all share um a couple of a, a sort of a what would you call it a kind of a dichotomy in that all of us i think and i think it's something that's common to 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 all sort of um all the traditions in that broader pagan bracket whether it's sort of reconstructionists whether it's witchcraft based practice whether it's you know mm. what have you um <clears throat> i think it's common to all of us that we all tend to tend to sort of veer away from the concept of organized religion this is a thing that we you know i mean i i know sort of pagans who will will rail against the idea of organized religion yeah, and so forth some of us have come from there because have good yeah, experiences I, there I, so exactly and we I, naturally do not want those practices and formation and that structure coming across to where we find ourselves now. Mm. But it does have a downside. It's got quite a few, actually. Um, <laughs> it has a downside in that um, there tends to be very little structure, mm. by definition. Localised, yeah. Structure Small localised to... groups, solo people. And there's lots of, I mean, there's... You know, you could you could run a debate on this for, for for months, years. We could we could all, you know, we could all be in our in our sort of twilight years and still you know sitting round the fireplace and 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 in our slippers and still arguing about it. Probably. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm going to be sitting in my slippers later on today. So. Yay! <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, it's a long on running debate, and you can obviously, I mean, it, the most of the the the, the uh, most of the points that people would make are points that have been made many many times. Um, is it better to have small, informally organised groups that don't have a lot of collective clout? Let's mm. say. Um, so it's like you know, people will often say people in the pagan community will often will often be saying things like, "Well, you know, I want a temple. Why can the Christians have temples?" You know, they have churches in every town. They have, you know, at least one. Community centres, churches, Community coffee centers, mornings, all this, yeah. infrastructure. Yeah, massive. And with the obvious answer is because we're not an organised religion. They are. Yeah. Um, I mean, Grant, they, you, know, you could argue that... We don't of tithing. You could argue there's several organised religions, but... Quite a few. Um, the, the majority of them have an, a practice of tithing. Yeah. And we don't. Yeah. And, you know, many... Pagans wanting to live as close to we can uh, to the earth with as least impact on the earth as possible. We may not set store in obtaining physical things or having an excess of money that beyond our living means that we we would want to then donate. Mm. So it comes to basically a preference as to as to you know which you're going to choose because there are advantages to doing it either way. There are advantages to organisation. There are advantages to having a a um, cohesive community that mm. might have a system of you know a hierarchy of people coordinating it, organising it. You know you have to have someone organising things if you want to do anything collectively. Mm. Um, the, the, that becomes one of the difficulties with a localised system. Yeah, I will often see the question on on message boards on forums saying i want to start my own group mm. and we're like well that's great you're going to have people coming to you looking for answers how well do you know the law the practices are you confident would you be confident in leading ritual mm. would you be confident if somebody came to you and said well you know my friend is is dying in a hospice can you come and sit vigil with them yeah because that might be something you're asked to do. Mm. Do you know the ethics and the safeguarding principles, the confidentiality that comes with that? Yeah. Or how to keep 
you want to form a group, how do you keep those people safe? Mm. And I think at the local level, that becomes a very difficult ethical decision is how do you keep people safe? Yeah. And we talked a few episodes back about what we might want in our faith leaders. Yeah, yeah. What kind of qualities we want, what kind of person we want in that role, because without an overarching hierarchy, a faith structure, we have no qualification we can put that person through. Mm -hmm. We have no registration that they can fill out. We have no comeback or push back onto the organisation should they step out of line. Yeah. And it opens everybody up to gatekeeping. Yeah. Because you are essentially saying, okay, well, this person is the person who's in charge of our group, therefore what they say goes. There are independent church church groups. Mm. Free, the free churches. Yeah. <clears throat> there are independent church groups, little local Christian organisations, uh, who will set rules for who they want to, or how somebody should conduct themselves when they come visit, mm. or when they become members of the group. They have rules. All groups have rules. Yeah. Um, Every online group I have been a part of has a set of group rules. Yeah. Because you are looking for that foundation of understanding for people who are connected with that group. That's right. And there's nothing intrinsically wrong with having rules. I would argue it's necessary. Mm. Um, to have group contract, yeah. It's a lovely idea, don't get me wrong. I think it's a great idea, you know, to live in some sort of utopian society where everybody just does what's best for everybody around them, you know? And, and, and we don't have to have all this kind of regulation, let's say. Yeah. You um, get, like, work and housing collectives like that. You can. So naturally, they're quite small. That's the problem, because obviously when we're, once we move above a certain number of people or an approximate number of people then you naturally develop a hierarchy yeah yeah i'm i'm not i don't know whether it's a natural thing but it's we we seem to have you've heard of the idea of the monkey sphere yes um, what i would know is a, a big man society from studying prehistoric societies okay yeah fair enough well the monkey sphere was this idea it's a, it's something to do with neurology and 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 uh, you know the how the human brain works and it, it was this this i this concept that um, our monkey brains are evolved to such a way, to such a point that they can truly recognise as other people like us mm. only a certain number of people. Yeah, I forget whether it's like it's supposed to be like thirty or sixty or hundred or whatever. But much above that, you have you start to see people beyond that sphere mm. as more abstract. You can. I'm not saying you don't see them as human. You don't see them as people, but you don't relate to them in quite the same way. No, you relate to them as a collective <clears throat> rather than as an individual. It becomes more of an intellectual mm. uh, relationship rather than an emotional one, or an empathetic one. Um, and it seems to be something to do with the way our society, the way with the point in our evolution that we'd reached when our you know, we start our technology started to overtake us, and we began to develop to where we are now. Yeah, where we are now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you um, know our noses are the most fast evolution evol, 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 evolving part of the human body? Noses. Nose. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Do now. Carry on. Okay. I would have thought it would have been like. I don't know what I would have thought it would have been. I don't know. Some weird bits of us, but I've never really thought about individual bits evolving at pace. Anyway. No, the point is, rules for individual organisations are, are, are fine. It's, it's okay. You can, you can do that. That in itself is not gatekeeping. Where the gatekeeping comes in is... And I would argue that even having particular standards of behaviour, because, I mean, you could, you know, people on the... The people that we naturally want to exclude from our groups, from inclusive groups... Mm. I'm not going to say Nazi again, because we said it too many times last, last we time. We might have mentioned it a few times last time. But there are some people of certain ideologies or whatever that we don't want. 
in an inclusive safe space in an inclusive safe space so we say no you cannot come in here this gate is closed mm. gatekeeping they would argue that we're gatekeeping we're being exclusionary how can we call ourselves inclusive and that and as you say this is where popper comes in he does the, the, par the paradox of tolerance the you know in order to maintain a tolerant society you have to exclude people who are people who are intolerant yeah, yeah. Um, otherwise their intolerance will take it over and the society will stop being tolerant. Mm. Um, so you do get this complex, apparent paradox. Yeah, um, so how do we ethically gatekeep our communities? Well, this is the thing. At what point, mm. Why? what's the distinction between gatekeeping, us saying no Nazis or whoever, you know, is gatekeeping that I personally think is entirely justified? Mm. So is gatekeeping subjective? And is it a matter of perspective? Is it the same thing to gatekeep in terms of this is our community which we want to protect from people who would destroy it mm. or who would undermine it or who would make it into something we don't want it to be? Is that the same as gatekeeping the religion? Mm. Because they would come into our group <clears throat> and they would say, right, OK, but you, 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 you and you, you're not fit because you're not the right heritage or you're not the right you know whatever it might be mm. so we're going to make it difficult for you unless until you until you leave because we think the religion has to be restricted to people like us i would argue that's a very different kind of gatekeeping we're not saying to them you know you know we're not we're not allowing you in because of what because of who you are or because of what you are we're saying we're not allowing you in because of what you believe and what you want to bring in you know yeah. am i rationalizing or yeah. is that I mean, it's... Is that a legitimate distinction? I, yeah, and lovely listeners, it's one we can't make for you. Because we can't tell you how to heathen. No, we can't. But we can tell you how I heathen. Yeah, fair enough. Which is that, you know, exclusionary heathens can get in the sea. Yes. You know that by now. You've listened to it yeah. before. <laughs> you kind of know where our stance is on this stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, does that then... Are you then moving into the territory of a person will forever be that and cannot change? Mm. And where do you start that discussion without getting into sea lining? And that is kind of like a whole extra thing. So, lovely listeners, yeah, this is some of our mad thoughts on the ethics of gatekeeping, especially within faith communities like heathen ones which are decentralized and don't have an overall you know they don't have an infrastructure that is beyond the local to they be fair that works but they don't have a fixed infrastructure that fits into things that's been a little bit what this episode has been like isn't it yeah kind of decentralized without any any solid infrastructure we've got um, a campfire that's all the infrastructure we've got we a campfire we've got marshmallows we've got coffee we're fine yeah this is it everything else is in relation to them <laughs> it's all good no i I mean, I, I I will confess this one has this one has been a bit little bit um, uh, meta conversational. Yeah, and that's it's um, all good because it is a conversation with that we're that we're, we've sort of been having the last the last few weeks uh, for for various reasons. It's 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 been something that's kind of been on our minds a bit. Yeah, um, and we'd kind of love you to carry it on. Take yeah. us, you know, let us know what your thoughts are on this because to me this is a massive area of ethics. Mm of how we treat each other, about where we want the faith to go in the future. Yeah. What kind of faith practices and understandings are we going to leave the generations to come? Are we, how concerned are we with accurately reconstructing what was? Mm. How concerned are we with, you know, faithfully practicing what we feel is? And where will it be? And where will it be? And yeah, like I say, it's it's you know where are we putting lines and barriers and directions? Where can we remove barriers? Where can we remove barriers? How course? can we integrate equity into our faith practice? That's a whole different discussion. I'm going to save that one. Okay. Lovely listeners, thank you very much for joining us for this episode. Please, please come and find us online and continue this conversation. We are totally down for talking to you on any of our socials. So I'm Suzanne Martin. You can find me on Facebook under that name. You can also find me on Twitter and on my blog at Githa in Jeets. 
and uh, my name is Kate um, and if you want to find me basically send a message to Suzanne <laughs> <laughs> yes it will be all good you kind of know that if you tag one of us you're probably going to get both of us we yep. kind of work yep. as a tag team in that respect if you want to come and find the virtual virtual campfire on discord you can it's awesome you can come and find us on Facebook at Frithcast Pod. Follow the links through. You will get to our Discord server or even just drop us a message. We will throw you a server invite. Come and sit around the virtual virtual campfire. Let's talk this stuff out. It's mm. time we started having more conversations inside communities about, you know, looking at where we gatekeep and what is what we deem is ethical and what we deem is unethical what is what is what is gatekeeping and what is just maintenance of the community yeah what is acceptable practice yeah. and where do we start drawing boundaries on those rules mm. so lovely listeners thank you very much for joining us for this episode come and join us again for the next one it's been awesome fun we've loved having you with us we would love to come and sit around the virtual campfire with you again for the next episode of Frithcast, which will be 152. And that will be after this one. Wow. Yeah. That was unexpected. Yeah, well I was trying to I was trying to offer something useful in terms of, you know, that will be such a date or whatever. Um and I think I could I could probably could, but I'm not gonna chance it in case something goes wrong. So I'll just say it's gonna be after this one. I, probably around I, two weeks. Profound. Thank you. Wow. I need a minute. I do my best. Okay, I'm good. Okay. Lovely listeners. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.